Welcome to the Industry Insights Podcast. You will hear leaders discuss trends within their industry, emerging business models, and how your industry is evolving. And now, here's your host, Josephine Momberg. Hey, all listeners, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something that I find super interesting because I think it's something that's been very impacted by COVID. And I know we have talked so much about COVID, but it's still impacting the world um, at large and it's still impacting businesses. And what we're going to be talking about is temporary work or as we also call it, contingent labor. And you might think, okay, that doesn't sound that interesting, but this is going to be a fun conversation. So keep listening. And I have the perfect person to talk about this with me. And I am joined by Arun Srinivasan, and he is the general manager at SAP Field Glass. But Arun, I won't talk more now because I want you to just introduce yourself to everyone. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at SAP? Hi, Josephine. Thank you. Uh, hello to all your listeners. Uh, I am the general manager for the SAP Field Glass business. And this business is focused on providing contingent labor solutions to our customers. And I'm based in Chicago, Illinois. Cool. And we won't talk too much about Field Glass right now, but we'll get into it because it's obviously a technology that can really help in managing contingent um, labor. But before we even talk about that, let's just talk about contingent labor, because I think a lot of people that hear it up front, they think about like, you know, a teenager that's mowing a lawn or scooping ice cream. But in this conversation, I mean, it's much broader than that. So when we talk, you and I talk about temporary work or contingent labor, what should our listeners um, think of? Good question. That's a great starting point. And so when we think about contingent workers, we we first actually think about the business of the organization that's trying to get work done. And if you go back in time, let's say 15, 20 years back, and when an organization wanted to get some work done, let's say a company was getting formed, they would bring in, they would hire people, they would bring in, they would payroll uh, uh, workers, employees in different departments, whether they're, it's, uh, you know, in finance or HR or marketing or technology, whatever it may be. Then over a period of time, they realized, okay, there are some core functions that I want to focus on and the rest of the functions, I want to bring in external workers in different forms, consultants, contractors, independent contractors, and so on. So when we think about contingent workers, we think about all the non-payrolled workers, all the workers who are doing work for an organization but they are not actually on the payroll of the organization. So they may be remote, they may be on-site, but they are not employees of the organization. So that's the broader definition we use when we think about contingent workers. Right, and it's obviously a really critical part of the labor, and especially in, in today's world. And I alluded to this in, in the introduction when I said that we'd still talk about COVID because the crisis has affected the staffing industry, right? I think that's unavoidable. Um, but how do you kind of see COVID? What's the impact been on um, contingent labor? So broadly, contingent labor and the industries associated with contingent labor have been impacted just like the, the rest of the economy. And they're also you're seeing variations across the world in different uh, countries. Um, 
would we've also seen some what I would say uh, some contrarian uh, moves too. So uh, based on some geopolitical geopolitical happenings, w- what we have seen is a surge in demand in certain areas, certain industries. So for example, if you look at the phar- pharma sector, you look at logistics, you look at healthcare, retail is a great example where we've seen a surge in demand. And to fulfill that demand, we have seen contingent workers come in and fill that that gap that exists today to meet the needs of businesses. Mm. And it's, I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because I've done a ton of interviews with different industry leaders and it, it's this, right, you see the same thing in those industries of how they've been dramatically changed. Some of them have had more demand and some of them have had less, but obviously workers play a crucial role in that. And I assume in that case that it's also crucial to have a platform that allows you to have flexibility in terms of who you hire. It's a little bit of a leading question, but uh, can you just comment a little bit about like the flexibility that you need in today's world? Sure. Uh, and so you do need that flexibility. And, and the, before you even actually get to that point, you need to understand that work gets done by a mixture of employees and other external workers. And so when you think about your workforce, you got to be thinking about all the workers, your employees and your external workers put together. And so from that perspective, when you think about, you know, how do I get work done? You need the flexibility to say based on the constraints that you may have. So it could be location based constraints. It could be cost based constraints. Sometimes it's just volume. I need these, this many workers based on this, those constraints. You can find the right mix of employees and external workers to bring in to get work done. Mm. And again, you just mentioned the the supply of the workers, right? Because in some industries that kind of skyrocketed, I assume. And we just talked about to, um, you know, technology and the role it plays in all of that. But in more kind of more concretely, how do you think technology can help even out the supply and demand? Uh-huh. Sure. So that's that's again a, a deep topic. It's in, in terms of thinking about demand and supply, when an organization has demand, it's demand which is basically expressed in the form of, I want to get this work done for which I'm looking for these skills or these mm-hmm. workers. And and in addition to that, it, there may be uh, some location uh, uh, requirements to I need this location or here are other requirements around certification and background and so on. And and so from a technology perspective, it starts with first being able to, uh, in a structured way, define your supply chain. So your supply of staffing workers, independent contractors, consultants, services providers, etc. to define that in a structured way and uh, organize that in a platform. Mm. Once you do that, then you can um, express your need, saying, okay, here's what I need. So that's, and then that gets broadcast out to the various uh, providers based on the rules that you define. And then they um, find the right, the right, the technology helps find the right match. And then you have a choice to shortlist, select, et cetera. You make your selection and then work starts. And in all that, you also have uh, broader visibility through uh, analytics, through predictive analytics, through just basic reporting to understand what's happening where, who do I have in my workforce, what skills do they bring, where are they located, and so on. 
Mm. And why do you think that's so important to have a, a technology platform that enables businesses to do that? I mean, obviously they need to manage them, but why is it more critical now than it would have been, I don't know, let's say 10, 15 years ago? So it's interesting you ask that because even in the context of COVID, that need has been emphasized even more. Mm-hmm. So if you take something, some practical example. So in the, in the context of the pandemic, you know, that, um, there's, there's been, while we have had a broader economic downturn, there's also been surge in demand in certain industries, like I mentioned earlier, retail, pharma, uh, uh, some parts of technology, logistics, and so on. Um, but there's a gap because the supply has not been able to keep up because some additional constraints that COVID has introduced. So, for example, the the, the ability to travel has been restricted quite a lot. So mm-hmm. if you have a plant, let's say, that manufactures chips, uh, just the potato chips, and you need to run uh, extra shifts, suddenly you don't have workers who can cross states or cross um, uh, even county lines to come in and, and work. So, so that's that. So, travel has introduced some constraints, and and in other cases, maybe it's the willingness of the worker. It could be a remote work, but it's the willingness of the worker to do certain kinds of work. So, why is technology more important now? Is first, it, because from a cost perspective, you need the flexibility to bring in the the right kind of workers to get work done without um, making long-term cost commitments. Secondly, in just finding the right talent. You want to spread, you want to cast the widest net possible to find the right talent to get, to get your job done. So those are some exact, some reasons why technology is even more important today. And lastly, what I would mention is we have a point of comparison to what happened in 2008. It's really interesting. Uh, There's a famous Business Week cover in our industry. It's referred to a lot in which came out in 2010 and it talked about the permanent temporary workforce. And essentially a lot of the discussions that are happening today happened the, uh, coming out of the, the last great recession. And, um, and, and so there's clear, there are indicators today which show that there's going to be an increased engagement of external workers in various forms. And for that, having technology is imp- more important because you want clear visibility, you want to control your costs, and you also want to be compliant with local labor laws and other guidelines. Yeah. And actually, let's talk a little bit more about what you just touched on, which is, you know, this group of people, which I'd call like highly skilled external talent, which I think is growing. That's I think that's what you just mm-hmm. alluded to. So how do you see that pool of people? Because again, we, and again, we talked about this really quickly in the beginning, but kind of the whole thing about the gig economy and a lot of the younger generation wanting more flexibility. And that's not just, um, you know, people that need a fast gig, but that can be someone who's very talented, but who doesn't want to be necessarily, uh, you know, working for a company permanently. So Mm -hmm. yeah, talk a little bit more about that, that pool of people. That's a very interesting topic. Uh, because, uh, like you said, this is, um, uh, you know, this is the, that uh, the workers themselves have a desire to be engaged with a business or with the company in a certain form. And uh, over a period of time, the definition of the of, of what employment is or the relationship between, quote unquote, 
the employer and the employee is changing. And um, there is a, a segment of the population that's emerging that chooses to engage in a different form. So they don't, they're not necessarily looking for lifetime employment, like you said. And so what we are seeing is really there are four factors. So one is that organization on a, a company, it still needs work done to run their business. They need work done and it could be any kind of work. It could be technology related work. It could be work in a warehouse or, or front office and so on. So, so that's the first factor. The second factor are the workers themselves. And like we just talked about, it's the, their workers come in all forms. Some of them desire uh, an engagement where it's, it's project based, let's say. So they are not looking for long-term commitment. So they're not looking to be engaged for, let's say, five years or even you know longer. Uh, but they are just looking for what we call as quote-unquote gigs um, or shorter-term engagements. Then the third piece, though, is with when you engage in that form, there are some things that need to be put in place to protect the rights of the workers and the, broadly, I would call the the well-being of the workers. And these protections have existed in other forms with employees, with union workers, et cetera. Over a period of time, these protections have come in place in most most countries in the world. And we need to make sure those same protections or similar protections exist for these new this new emerging class of workers. And to do that, the, the third piece, the, the legislation piece, needs to progress too. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that specifically in some countries in Western Europe. We are seeing that emerging in Japan. Where that needs to be broadly adopted. And then the fourth piece is technology-related. So while there's demand on one side, there are workers, including the gig workers on the other side. There are guidelines or legislation to control all this. But you still need technology to make the match possible and to to you know, make sure that you know the world is truly flat, and you can um, the supply and demand can be matched from all over all corners of the world. So that's really what's happening in the space. Uh, and the, the definition of gig itself has evolved. It mm. used to be, like you said uh, up front, it's it's about somebody mowing your lawn or uh, scooping some ice cream. It has been, I guess, uh, uh, taken over by the broader industry, and now it refers to any engagement where. Typically, an independent consultant or independent contractor is engaging in work. Right, and and it's only growing more and more. One thing is you look at platforms like, you know, Uber, or where tons of people can get employed very quickly. But it's also like we just talked about the more skill, like people that are are very skilled and have education and and so on. Um, and, and just let's talk a little bit more about the future now, right? Because we all love to try to predict what's going to happen, which, yeah. I mean, is always impossible. Just look at what's going on now with COVID. Who would have ever thought that, that we would have been in this, in this situation? But if you, when you talk to, to customers and you talk about kind of their technology demands and what they need in order to manage their contingent labor, and obviously I'm sure you, you discuss what's going to happen in the future. What, what do you tell them? How should they prepare and be able to better manage their contingent labor, which I think will be growing? Great question. And uh, I like to challenge uh, uh, the, the customers and, and, and other folks in the industry I talk to by uh, saying that 
the company of the future will have no employees. Right. Yes. Okay. And, 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 then, <laughs> and then people usually say, what are you talking about? Are you crazy? Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and so, but it's, it's just a thought provoking um, statement. And but really it's intended to make the, the big businesses think about the total workforce. So yes, you have employees, but you also have other forms, uh, other kinds of workers who are coming to uh, help your business be competitively different, produce goods, deliver services, and so on. And uh, so, so when we think about the future, we think that businesses more and more will um, think and operate like the movie industry, where oh. a talented group of people come together and make a great movie and then move on. Some of them may be employees. Some of them may be, quote unquote, external workers. They may be the stars of the show. And, and similarly, businesses, when, especially in the context of projects, large, meaningful projects, they are going to think more and more about the total workforce and say, how can I get the best group of people together to, to deliver the outcome I seek to deliver? And, and really, technology and some of the other factors I referred to earlier are, are just enablers there to get this work done in the most effective way, in a way where the business itself feels that I can sh- deliver competitive differentiation at the, at the right cost using this technique. So that's what I feel and we feel uh, that's how businesses would think in the coming years. I love it. I love it. I love the whole comparison to a movie because that also just makes it way more glamorous, right? You know, <laughs> technology becoming like a movie production. Perfect. Um, and what you just talked about now to me sounds like this needs to be elevated to become a sea level issue or a conversation, if we want to put it, frame it more positively. So why do you think sea levels? I mean, you kind of answered the question, but going even deeper, why is it it's something they need to think about? now and really engage with so in the simplest sense it's because it's a great source of competitive differentiation thinking about your expanded workforce and and how they can come to help you be different in the market help lower your cost help increase your revenue help produce better products and deliver better services is the reason why you want to think about why why the sea level is increasingly, I would say, thinking about it. It's still not sort of a mainstream topic at, at the average Global 2000 company. Um, now, in order for it to be a mainstream topic, it's also true that the business environment, as supported by legislation, needs to progress further so that the workers who seek different kinds of engagements are protected. The businesses are also protected from a tax perspective and some other liabilities that that uh, are are you know, relevant in the space. So, so all those things need to progress also. But um, really, it is a sea level. Uh, it warrants to be a sea level uh, topic today, mainly because of the of its ability to provide competitive differentiation. Hmm. And then, of course, also, if this is what we're going to be working like in the future, if you don't have a technology platform that can help you manage it, you're Basically, I mean, I would say that, we're, yeah, it's, you're the, probably not going to perform that well, right? Absolutely, and that's a given. So we have customers, for example, in the pharma industry, and in the context of the pandemic, they had to run their plants at full capacity. And uh, they realized 
that because they were using a solution like ours, they had clear line of sight into who is working. They are not all employees. And so they were able to, and what skills they had. So they were able to build a sort of like a skills pyramid to say, okay, to run this plant for these three shifts, I need these different skills. This And some of these skills are coming from my employees, and this is how I reach out to them. Some of these skills are coming from my external workforce. This is how I reach out to them. And then they could do their planning to keep their plants running efficiently. But that's also kind of amazing, right? Because in that way, it becomes a very specialized skill-based and outcome-based way of working because the way it is right now, people get hired for a job and they assume that that person will be good at that job forever. But you evolve, right? And I know, of course, we have development plans um, in place as well to help us evolve with the job. But in this case, you really just match people with a, a, a job that might make more sense for that person at that given time. And then you really see what people produce because it becomes more project-based as well in, in that case is, is what I'm hearing too. So exactly. I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is an exciting topic and it really challenges the thinking. It's just because you're saying just because that's how it was done or that's, you know, that was the status quo. That doesn't mean, let's say you're starting a new year, we do exactly the same thing. So it's it's similar to concepts like zero-based budgeting or zero-based processes to say, no, let's start from scratch to say, what's the outcome we're trying to right. deliver? Now, for that outcome, how best do we do this? Now, like I said earlier, in, in doing that, we also need to make sure that the workers' needs are taken care of, not just their pay, but also some basic things like healthcare and long-term benefits like retirement benefits where it applies needs to be taken care of too in whatever form that, that they're being engaged. Right. So you really turn the whole thing upside down in that way and you look at what the outcome is and then you hire people to do uh, that work. Exactly. This has been such a fun conversation. I really enjoy talking to you. And I said in the beginning when I mentioned contingent workforce that you might think, oh, not the most sexy or interesting topic in the world, but I actually really thought it was really, really cool and fun to hear about. So, Arun, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really hope that you had a good time too. And I don't know if you want to say goodbye to all of our listeners, any final words? It's a really interesting topic for, for me and, and for us. It's clearly linked tightly to the future of work. Enjoyed uh, talking to you, Josephine, and uh, a big hello and a big goodbye to all of your listeners. Thank you. And again, thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel on OpenSAP, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. For more information, check out sap.com.